Hello and welcome to The New Conspiracist, the show that brings sanity to an insane world. I'm Jolyon Rubenstein and beside me is the fifth Beatle, it's James Ball. Hello, Jamesy. Hello, Ringo. <laughs> I really see myself as more of the, the John to your Paul. It's, it's right. very sweet that you think that. I really but, uh, I'm not the drummer. I was never the drummer, dude. I just really feel like you've got his sense of rhythm. <laughs> so, <laughs> anyway, moving swiftly on. Joel, who's our guest this week? That is such a cuss. I mean, if you've seen my dancing in festivals, you'll know that is definitely true. But this week, we're joined by comedian, screenwriter, podcaster, Deborah Francis White. And of course, you know Deborah from the hugely popular podcast, The Guilty Feminist, which, as well as being a live show, is also now a book. She also hosts the podcast, Global Pillage, a comedy panel show that celebrates human diversity in all its forms. But Deborah is a woman of many talents. She writes scripts for film and radio, books about improv, and delivers seminars for the likes of LinkedIn and Facebook. In short, she is a can you say a renaissance woman? I think you can say we're, a renaissance we're gonna woman. Say it's 2022. We can say what we like. So we've got an actual professional in the <laughs> studio. We're going to have to try and do this properly for once. <laughs> but anyway, don't let me down, Joel. What are we discussing this week with Deborah? Well, we're going to be giving you a, a, an awful lot of terrible puns because today we're going down the long and winding road and asking the question, was Paul McCartney killed in a car crash and replaced? But before we get into it, remember you can listen to ad-free episodes and access all our bonus content by heading to www.newconspiracist.com right now. Now. This minute. Do it. Do it now. Do send us your emails on hello at newconspiracist.com. We want to hear anything and everything you have to say, especially if it's against the puns. So do please get in touch. On with the show. Deborah Francis White, welcome to The New Conspiracist. How are you? You know, I'm a delighted to be here. So much better than before I was with the two of you. Right. <laughs> it's a glorious morning now. What Beatle do you most relate to? Paul McCartney. Would you say you are more Paul is, is than that, John? Is that yes. because you were killed and replaced by a body double? <laughs> Well, if I were, I certainly wouldn't tell you. James, if, I feel like you're fair. getting ahead of yourself, <laughs> format-wise. If the Guilty Feminist had started with Deborah Francis White and now, due to some kind of sad accident slash plotted murder, <laughs> I were a new Deborah Francis White, would I tell you? Deborah's understudy waiting in the wings. Imagine, though, if Paul McCartney had been killed had gone underground, re-emerged as Deborah Francis White, started The Guilty Feminist. Is this your opportunity to tell us that you are actually Paul McCartney? I can neither confirm nor deny. <laughs> I feel like you might be, you know, getting a little bit too close to something. I think for yeah. your own safety, Joel, yeah. I'd back off that. I was literally telling James that my Facebook has been hacked recently, so maybe it is By to do Paul with Paul McCartney? This. I think so. It's been Vietnam. <laughs> so, I can only assume. Deborah, before we actually get into this week's fascinating question, would you say that you were a fan of Conspiracy Theories as entertainment? I think the serious ones mm -hmm. tend to suck up actual facts. And the number of people who, on Facebook, started espousing 9-11 conspiracies... What, like your mates, you mean? Like I mean, they're not knew. my friends, really, but like... Oh, part, part of the 500 that you knew from back in the day. Yeah, you know, just people, people that in one point or another I've worked with or 
known in some circle and you know, obviously was fond of or thought was great at the time. They friended me and I said yes or vice versa. But bright people that you just go, oh, uh, the, the theories are so complicated. And the thing that I would always say when I back in the day when I argued with people on Facebook, I'm so much wiser now. Never argue on Facebook. <laughs> do you remember I those mean, days? I mean, do we you remember spend days yeah. on those threads? Do you remember being on Facebook? Yeah, it's <laughs> so, true. I mean, you know. Seriously, I I remember those days where you hours on someone's wall, or sometimes you take it into a DMs to oh really my God. get into Oh, it. that's when it got heated. Yeah. yeah, and so I used to say, well, okay, let's imagine this: George Bush wants a false flag attack terrorist attack, uh, so that he can, in fact, go and start invading Middle Eastern countries at random. Okay, we can buy that idea. So then he goes, okay, how are we going to do it? And imagine the two guys who come into pitch and go, we've got a great idea for you, Mr. President. Great idea for you. We're going to fly planes into buildings, into into the World Trade Center, for example. And him going, okay, yeah, that's good, because that'd be for the media, I can That's see, box yeah, people, big, yeah, think, think big. <laughs> great, okay, and then, and then, and then they go, value. then they go, okay, okay, and because we're not sure what happens when plane goes into buildings, we're going to plant bombs <laughs> in the basement, and he's got, oh, he's got, oh, great bombs and planes. This is, oh, I mean, no one's going to deny that I can invade it, the whole world. They're like, oh, no, 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 Mr. President, the bombs have to be secret. <laughs> what? Well, just to make it look a bit more spectacular. Well. If you're going to do bombs, I think we should say terrorists did planes and bombs. Like that's yeah. why would you, <laughs> secret sense. bombs guys are really hard. I don't know how would you do a secret bomb because bombs. The thing with bombs is they're famously quite loud and explodey. And this is true. I think people were going to go, but there was also a bomb. No, Mr. President, just trust us. It's really crucial that we keep the bombs <laughs> secret and that we pretend that the bombs were the planes. Okay, so you've got planes and bombs, but you only want people to know about the bombs. Okay, yeah. Um, what kind of planes are they going to be? Well, we're going to pretend that they're passenger planes, but really they're going to be military planes. Right, well, but aren't people going to go, well, who are on the passenger planes? We're going to just go to hire actors, Mr. President, to pretend that their children and family members were killed on the passenger planes. Well, I just think either passenger planes or military planes, either of those are good, we'll just say they hijacked the military planes. No, Mr. President, it's key that people think it was passenger planes. Aren't people going to wonder where these passenger planes went? Well, we'll have some actors and some planes. We're just going to take them to a tropical island and say, you live here now. What? <laughs> Get out of my office. Get out of the Oval Office. Bring me somebody who isn't going to make this so complicated. It's definitely going to go wrong and get out. But I do feel more confident now that the reboot of Lost is really going to work. <laughs> That's what you I know, said. I, I was it. saying to them, you are describing the plot of Lost. Yeah. People would say, genuinely, they would really believe that some planes had been taken to a tropical island and people were told their lives were starting again totally. here. The idea that you could pretend to put people on the moon, it's easier just to put people on the moon, honestly. They could not keep it a secret. They couldn't pull it off. Talking talking of the moon landings, we do like to ask all of our guests, when you were sort of growing up and stuff, what was the first sort of entry-level conspiracy that you became aware of in school or at uni? Like, what was the first one when someone was like, hey, man, have you heard about this? 
I think it was the moon. It was that the moon landings, the moon landings never happened, and they were filmed in a Hollywood studio. The Kubrick vibe. Regular listeners will know we have uh, tackled this one with Alex Gibney at the we start have. of this very season, or at the start of the last season. That's how long this season has been going on for. <laughs> that you think that this season is last season, <laughs> but obviously, you know, it's funny because we're talking about the entry levels. A lot of our guests, a lot of people have mentioned the conspiracy theory we're talking about today as the first one they ever came in contact with. So, James, without further ado, what is the topic for today? So today's topic, was Paul McCartney killed in a car crash and replaced with a lookalike? Dun, dun, dun! Now, you know, this might seem a question that uh, has come from nowhere, but there's a really rich history to this one. So, Deborah, why did you choose this topic? Well, I was obsessed with the Beatles at high school, uh, there were most, how obsessed are we talking here? Well, all my friends were obviously into whatever was you know playing on the cool. radio. Uh, my friends and I, I think, as a slight piece of retro rebellion, were like we're into the sixties, you know that kind of feel. That's what's happening. Yeah, exactly. That's what's really cool. I and so we were into the Monkeys and the Beatles. Oh wow! Yeah, Monkeys as well. Monkeys and the Beatles, and I can remember really clearly. My friend inviting me over to her house. I think she was the one that got me into the Beatles. Her name's Kathy. Big and shout out to Kathy, by the way, if you're listening. Thanks a lot for for checking this out, Kathy. Well, I'll, I'll send her this episode so she will be listening. <laughs> Excellent. And she welcome to the pod. <laughs> she, I won't say her surname because she now works for an important government department that Ooh, we can't talk about be conspiracy careful. theories. Yeah. <laughs> um. Am I allowed to say that? Will she let me put that out on it? I don't know. I'll let you know. If We're I just going to do it anyway. Just live wild. Live on the wild side. Well, that's okay for you. But if there is okay a Cathy in New South Wales in a government department causing trouble, please email at hello at newconspiracist.com. Nobody we'll deal with that. said she was from New South Wales, but that's an interesting imposition so, that you have there. So, hashtag where is Cathy? <laughs> <laughs> hashtag find Cathy. <laughs> I feel fine, Kathy. I'm not sure cruel. what's going on now. Yes. I'm not sure what's going. But Kathy, thank you. Kathy, come home. I'm I, really I, sorry, Kathy. So, I'm really sorry so about this. This, this episode of New Conspiracy. <laughs> we, uh, we ask who is Kathy. Yeah. So well, I went round to Kathy's place, and she got all these Beatles MPs that I think were probably her parents, and she had a stereo in her room that you could play LPs on. Um, children, LPs are vinyl. I was going to so, say. Oh, yeah. oh, oh no, they all yeah. know what vinyl is. That's the what a cassette tape or a CD is. No idea. But they, but Everyone I, knows I, LPs. I, but I think young people listening to this might not, they might think of vinyl rather than LPs. So, I mean, it's it's a podcast put out by someone in his 30s and someone in his 40s. If you've got any young people, it's a miracle. Excuse me. That is my Wikipedia age, okay? No one knows my <laughs> real age, James. Unbelievable. Obviously, his real age is a conspiracy. Exactly. Otherwise, otherwise this whole show is a sham. <laughs> I am actually Paul McGarley. <laughs> So I went round to her place. She had a she had a stereo in her bedroom where we could play her LP or long play records. And she said, I'm gonna show you something. You can play these backwards. <laughs> that is wild. And is this the first time you listened to a Beatles record, you heard it backwards? No, we were already into the Beatles. Oh, right. But we were no, we we're into the Beatles, but she said, I need to I need to tell you something about the Beatles. They had hidden lyrics in their songs. And you have to play them backwards. So she put, I think it's the it's the White Album and it's Revolution Number no. 9. Yeah. 
And so the White Album, which is actually only colloquially called the White Album, it's really called the Beatles, is that album, again, children, if you don't know, in the white, it's just plain white <laughs> cover. And she put it, and that was meant to signify death because yeah. in the Far East, white is the colour for death, not black. So she put that album on and we listened to Revolution Number no. 9 going forward and it goes like this. Number nine, number nine, number nine. Um, I don't know if that's in copyright. If I'm saying that, I think it's okay. I think <laughs> that's the, fine. The, the this word is, this nine, is for the purpose right. of narrative. We're it's okay saying, with. Sir, we, we are trying my... very hard not to get sued by the Beatles either for defamation or for copyright infringement while doing this episode. And I genuinely don't know about the nature of lyrics backwards and their copyright. However, <laughs> but if you turn it backwards, and you can find this on Wikipedia where somebody's put MP3s. Um, so you can listen to it without having to find the vinyl, and but it's much more exciting. Far less fun. <laughs> much more exciting to sexually sort of yeah. push it around with your finger. And I remember it was like, oh my god, this is demonised. It was like, you know, if you, as a kid, did you ever do a séance or one of those spooky rituals? The Ouija board thingy. Yeah. If you yeah. haven't done a Ouija board in your teens, you haven't lived. So it's just, it's just her and me, and her parents don't know. And we're in the bedroom, and we're turning it backwards. I'd quite a sheltered childhood. Um, <laughs> and. It was said to say, turn me on, dead man, turn yeah. me on, dead man, turn me on. Really, it sounds like, no me on, dead man, no me on, dead man, no me on, dead man. It's quite candy man-y. And I've always thought that. When I first time I heard it, I was like, this is where they got the idea. Well, this, this Cathy told me was... Big up, Cathy, by the way, to be still listening. A Big fans of Cathy. <laughs> Big fans of Cathy. <laughs> Massive. She's great. You would love her. She would be great on this show. She'd be much better than me on Kathy, this show. Cathy, if you want to come over from Australia, just on a whim... Just to the studio, we're going to welcome you with open arms. We can blow your face and I disguise your voice. I genuinely do think Cathy would uh, would rock the show. I and am so <laughs> up for a bonus episode with Cathy. I don't know why. You'd but... have to Zoom her in Australia, but she would be, she would be so in. much better. I'm in. Even at the time, I was. it felt like it was demonised. It felt like these strange sounds were coming yeah. out. And she said it's because Paul McCartney died and they wanted to send a message to the fans that he was no longer with them. And even at the time, I just thought about it and thought, I, I think they should have said something clearer, yeah. like, Paul is dead, Paul yeah. is dead. Because what's that the other way around? Because I was like, turn me on dead man, which it's a stretch to, yeah. that it sounds like well, that. What? What? How am I getting that message? If you said that to me forwards, I wouldn't know what you meant. I, I will come to this later. We've got a full list of the many secret clues that the Beatles put in, which does include a Paul is dead, but... Um, just for sort of listeners who haven't come across this one, this conspiracy theory is based on the idea that Paul McCartney stormed out of a songwriting session with the Beatles on November the 9th, 1966, while they were working on Sgt Pepper's Lonely Hearts Club Band. That part is plausible because I've seen the documentary. They, so, were, they well, were at each other They really were, weren't they? November the 9th, 1966 is a pretty big day in the Beatles' lexicon. Yeah, do because, you know why? Yes, it's the day, obviously, Paul McCartney died, but it's a, it's another big day. What even happened that, that day, Deborah? Number nine. Number, <laughs> number nine. nine. <laughs> number nine. It's the day someone met someone. Oh, John met Yoko. Yes, John met Yoko. Ten points. Oh, John, met, John met Yoko and Paul McCartney died. Stop it. So, so big, yeah, right no, big, now. Big. So they had Whoa. this. They had this studio. <laughs> Pennies are dropping all over Whoa. the studio. Okay, I'm back into Light the conspiracy. Light bulbs are coming on. <laughs> they had this studio. 
The quote here is kerfuffle. Uh, and so McCartney storms out. He gets into his Austin Healey car, floors it down the M1 in a fit of rage wow. and gets killed in a car crash. <laughs> and so, you know, the Beatles are at the height of their fame. To spare the public their grief, they replaced him with the winner of a Paul McCartney lookalike contest, a man called Mr. William Campbell. Sexy Can I ask? That, Sexy Can I ask? Because I couldn't figure this out when I was doing my my very deep and meaningful research. Had the lookalike competition in the minds of the fans already happened? Because it would be suspicious <laughs> to hold it and then immediately go, oh. Do you want to phone a friend? So, Shall we call so Kathy and ask her? I, I'm genuinely unsure as to whether this lookalike competition ever actually yeah, James, happened. James is sceptical. I think it did happen because so, I can imagine old uh, <laughs> manager extraordinaire just having, you know, Brian just on the background being like, just got to make sure this supergroup doesn't fall apart. So, I mean, you know this is a good conspiracy theory because like all the best ones involving body doubles, they then say he had plastic surgery. But um, the theory is that they had the lookalike contest to find his replacement. And that's where I kind of go, that's sort of suspicious. <laughs> you know, if you could get me a photo going, hey, on November the 10th, they had a Paul McCartney oh. lookalike contest. But uh, yeah, it was William... That would have been, I think, too... The body wouldn't have been cold. William have Campbell, like sort of known as Billy have Shears. Some, Maybe they were having extremely serious creative differences. We've all been in writers' rooms that go mm. wrong. So it can get catty as fuck. It's, it's also, sort of fairly pleasingly, the Maca lookalike's American. Oh, how do so, you do a Scouse accent though? I think that's hard even for. I mean, it's most it's difficult for Brits. I've, I've always I've been, never is heard it arguable that Paul even has a Scouse accent. I mean, like. so just just to slightly you know add a little bit to this, the rumor of Paul dying in a car crash. They hadn't quite settled on the date, but it started in 1967 in a mm. beat, in a sort of fan run Beatles newsletter. Very pleasingly called false rumours. That is amazing. I I think that's one of my favourite bits of this whole Um, thing. And McCartney was involved in two car accidents and one saw him scar his lip, which prompted him growing the moustache. This is sort of, you know, the official version of events. And so it was... And Paul McCartney admits that, does he? Yes. And it was rumoured on the 7th of January that he was killed in a car crash, also on the M1, this time in icy conditions, which sort of prompted the Beatles press officer to need to phone up. Uh, As he said it, you know, he telephoned Paul, sent John Woods home, and it was answered by Paul himself. The rumour really starts to take off in 1969, and it absolutely centres on Revolution 9. Uh, You know, so as you were listening backwards, this was uh, played on... This is one of those stations that you have to uh, pronounce carefully. WKNR, not WNKR. Uh, WKNR-FM uh, in Michigan sort of brought on a caller called Tom who insisted that the DJ play Revolution Number no. 9 backwards on air. And this guy, Fred LeBeau, was listening and wrote it all up for Michigan Daily. And clearly someone's got to him. Because he says and admits that he made up the name William Campbell. Yeah, this is where I get really confused. Which is why the guy was in America was an American and not yeah. a Brit, which would obviously be mm. more plausible. Mm. He said he was going to call him Glenn Campbell at first, but then realised that might be a bit obvious and no one would believe it. 
And so this article actually ran in Michigan Daily as McCartney dead, new evidence brought to life mm. on the 14th of October 1969. And is he the one that also deconstructed all the symbols on the cover of Abbey Road? Uh, he yes, was the one that invented that? the idea that the iconography that every all of the other Beatles had yeah. shoes on and Paul McCartney had no shoes. And yes. that was because he, they were hinting he was embalmed. This is the most, I think, the best bit of the whole thing is when we get onto the album cover stuff because it is just wild what people will actually look into. Yeah. I actually took a picture on the way here to play a game with you. Oh, I'm excited. Okay, so this is the game. So... Uh, listeners, uh, yeah, always you... good for audio podcasts. <laughs> if you... Visual this games. Is, this is genuinely unscripted. We have no idea what we're about to. Uh, if, yeah, well, could, be any, could be anything. So the signs on the Abbey Road album cover, and listeners, you'll know this one. It's the one where they're crossing the, the road on the zebra crossing. It's meant to depict a funeral procession. Lennon's oh. dressed in white, so he's heavenly. Ringo Starr is dressed in black. So he's the Undertaker. George Harrison is in denim, and this is uh, this is this is now where it starts to fall apart. So that means he's the grave digger. I mean, he's also carrying that massive shovel. Yeah, <laughs> that huge and, shovel on his back. And McCartney is barefoot and out of step with the others, which symbolises the corpse. The number of the white Volkswagen Beetle, Beetle listeners, in the photo uh, contains the characters LMW twenty twenty eight IF. And that was evidence because 28IF represents Paul McCartney's age if he had still been alive. Now, so it could also have been his age in the Hindu tradition where you're one when you're born. Uh, I've I've heard. Just ideas. <laughs> just uh, thoughts here. Just the, brainstorming. The, the, the problem with it is, is that Paul McCartney was 27 when the album was recorded and released, so <laughs> it, that doesn't quite work. The LMW is meant to have st stood for Linda McCartney Weeps or Linda McCartney Widow. And <laughs> McCartney's left-handed, but his cigarette in the picture is in his right hand, and that says he's an imposter. Um, so what I've done is uh, <laughs> when I was on the way here, fully at random, uh, I was in a taxi. Right, let's see this I then. just took a picture out the window. Right. And this is, for me, this is, I want to demonstrate that really this is how conspiracies work. What we're going to do is deconstruct this picture out the window. Awesome. Um, so I'll, I will try and get is, a copy of this picture and get it up on the we'll, feed We'll tweet this it. Is, we will tweet it in the is, episode. This is Paul McCartney was killed... And he was replaced by someone. Find the clues in, in this. this picture. What have we got here, dear listener? Well, first of all, we have a no smoking sign, um, a red, I guess, Skoda. No, an MG with a license plate, clean hearts and old streets uh, pushed out. So first of all, I I'd say that, um, you know, Paul McCartney very famously was not particularly happy with the amount of smoking that was going on in the recording studios uh, from time to time, you know, really symbolising um, his desire to look forward to a new age where people wouldn't be smoking. So I, I think it's more a clear sign that his fire was extinguished. Uh, see, I think it's that it's no smoking. The Beatles, if you watch the documentary, they smoked, chained it all the time. They loved it. So if, yeah, if, if, if there's no smoking, why one of them's died? Do you right. know what I mean? That's, that's yeah. Paul McCartney's smoke, that's Paul McCartney's cigarettes gone out forever now. So. <laughs> 
his clean, cigarette has clean gone heart out is clearly a sort of can i see the that, photo again uh, so what else know, we got here we've heart, got um hearts that are beating are sort of having to work they're getting mm. tired a clean heart is a still yeah. heart there's also a, a uh, sign on the wall which is quite hidden saying roland fletcher's banker llp solicitors you probably who, who manages wills exactly solicitors. Solicitors. and exactly. it was actually roland 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 um, Fletcher. Roland Fletcher. Uh, well, we believe he was the one that, that the executor of Paul McCartney's will. Because of he, course they couldn't use his normal lawyer because yeah. that would have you know leaked to. The also, media. there's a red car, red famously being the colour of Liverpool football team. Um, oh, you know, and absolutely, L that is yeah, ten points right. And LC <laughs> clearly suggesting. Liverpool crying. See, I think this license plate means something else. Do you? Yeah. Do we you? have weeks. Okay. All right. Uh, it starts L, right? Right. Okay. Right. Okay. Lennon. Yes. Right, right way up. Right. How does it end? Oh. W. And what's that upside down? Macca. Right. Macca. <laughs> so if it starts with L and L's the right way up and the last one is an upside down M, M's dead, right? Yes. Okay. Oh, my goodness. But the C here, LC... Yeah. Is McCartney, so <laughs> so they're they're carrying on with a with a Cartney, but it's a it's a mock Cartney. It's, it's not a, a McCartney, right? Oh my God, Paul Mock Cartney. Is that why Linda created fake meat? Can you see how it says in the background three six Old Street? Yeah, who's never going to get old? Paul, Paul McCartney. He's never okay. going to get on the old street. Absolutely. And, and where did he die? On a street. It's it Thank literally you. died Thank on you. a street. And what time was it when he died? What number is that? Three six. So three it was minutes clearly to six three, minutes three minutes to, minutes to six. six. Absolutely. Exactly. Warning: This podcast contains juicy tales of a super dysfunctional family, brothers betraying brothers, friends becoming enemies and a mother trying her best to keep everything from falling apart. No, this isn't a reality TV rewatch. I'm Dan Jones, your host, and this is one of my all-time favourite true stories. Join me on a trip to the Middle Ages to meet history's most dangerous dynasty, the Plantagenets. This season, the plots are thicker, the ambitions greater, and the betrayals are even more devious in the epic saga of the family that shaped our world. From something else in Sony Music Entertainment, this is History, a dynasty to die for, season two. Listen and follow on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Amazon Music, Stitcher, or wherever you get your podcasts. We all have questions that keep us up at night. The self-help industry tells us they have answers. As a journalist and a skeptic, I'm not so sure. So I've set out to talk to people who have gone to radical lengths to find answers. I'm Catherine Rowland. From Something Else and Sony Music Entertainment, this is Seeking. On season one, we're diving deep into the portal of plant medicine and psychedelics. Listen to Seeking wherever you get your podcasts. Shall I shall I wrap up our symbology section? With, yeah, because uh, this is great as with, well. With a list of, I, I will stress, we are any lyrics that I read in this moment are being critically analysed for your news or satirical purposes. So, they left clues in far more songs than just Revolution Number no. Nine. 
At the end of Strawberry Fields Forever, John Lennon cried, I buried Paul. Even though some people say have you heard he this before this one? says cranberry sauce. Yeah, I love that. What? I buried Paul or cranberry sauce. One of the two. If you play the ending of I'm so tired backwards, you hear the muttered words, Paul is dead, man. Miss him. Miss him. <laughs> oh Miss God. him. Octopus's garden is British Navy slang for a graveyard. Is that actually true? Is that a real thing? I have no idea. I love the idea that <laughs> it is. I would buy that. Yeah. If it, if it isn't true, that's an excellent one. Because some of them you go, mm, but that sounds really That plausible. sounds to me like the title of a new series on Apple TV starring Morgan Freeman with some kind of like, you know, kind of a few good men vibes called Octopus's Garden in a submarine. Just saying. The 1968 song Glass Onion lyrics, John Lennon sings, here's another clue for you all. The walrus was Paul. That's big. Mm. The opening words of Got to Get You in My Life state... I was alone. I took a ride. I didn't know what I would find there. So there's the line, he didn't notice that the lights had changed from a day in the life. (laughs) I mean, he died on a motorway. There aren't any lights. Of course (laughs) not. The opening line of she's leaving home, which supposedly highlighted the moment of the accident. Wednesday morning at five o'clock as the day begins. Lady Madonna reflects on the suppression of the media with the line, Wednesday morning papers didn't come. I mean, this is where we start getting from the sublime to the utterly ridiculous. And definitively and finally, the end of I am the walrus. And let us not forget the walrus was Paul. Apparently walruses now mean fucking death, do they? Contains snippets from King Lear. Bury my body and oh, untimely death. I mean, we can it's, all getting, it's all getting pretty tenuous, isn't it? I mean, I still think the best bit of all of it yeah. is what people see when they're smoking weed looking at album covers. I And I assume a lot of mushrooms and LSD. A lot of tripping. There. You've got to be fucking tripping balls to see some of this stuff because one of the ones, I'm not going to go through all of it because there's actually so much of it, but I have to say, I think the most fun I've seen on any of it is, so you're on Sergeant Pepper's Lonely Hearts Club. Yeah. There's obviously all the lovely, lovely, many, many, many different things going on in that iconography. But one of the things someone claims is if you put a mirror down the centre of Sergeant Pepper's bass drum, you'll get the phrase I won X, I, X, he die, which many have interpreted as 11, many. 9, he die, <laughs> which is a reference to the date of the accident. I mean, that. What, what point do you suddenly get a small mirror, probably when you're taking coke, a small mirror, you put it down the, the I, very I specific like base I feel like you're answering your own question. But I mean, it's amazing. And then someone's gone, do you know what I'll do? I'll put that on the internet. The idea that you can find anything in anything is yeah. really important. There was someone on the internet that did it with finding conspiracy theories about 9-11 in an episode of Gossip Girl or something like that. Totally. That you can... In anything, find numbers that seem relevant, find names that seem relevant, find uh, parallels, find reflections. You can create a full conspiracy that Friends, the whole of the sitcom Friends, I don't know, I'm making this up now, but was was a Mossad project. Clues about 9 11 leading up to to, to 2001. And clues about 9-11 trailing away. But it is kind of emblematic of the much larger reality. I mean, we started, first episode we did of the podcast was about, uh, was Avril Lavigne replaced by a body double? And what was so fascinating was that, you know, James managed to sort of 
look back through Twitter, and it started on Brazilian Twitter, where someone had put the thing out saying, look, this is nonsense, but, and the internet kind of picks it up. I mean, are we looking at something that is much more emblematic of the entire clusterfuck that we're living within, where anything that can have, you know, deep significance to one person can spawn this kind of sort of quite terrifying web of nonsense? Well, I think conspiracy theories now... And it's no accident that they started in the 60s in mm. the counterculture. Now, I'm not saying there weren't conspiracy theories before then. I don't know. But the the modern phenomenon started in the 60s. The counterculture, Americans being disillusioned about the Vietnam War. Mm. Then we get into the 70s. And Nixon being the full end of politicians being trusted. Mm. You know, Watergate was like, we don't believe any of you. So the way now people say they're all as bad as each other and the implication is that politicians are not to be trusted was not there in the same way before Nixon and before mm. Vietnam. And the you know the way people, you know, if you read contemporary literature about World War One and World War Two, of course there was always, you know, should we be going and dying for this and all of that sort of stuff. But there was also an, an enormous chunky part of the population that would say, well, this is what we need to do in country. And now we're living in a time where people are so sure of themselves. I mean, we've all had Twitter pylons. We've all had things where people go, you're really this, you're not that, you're this. I mean, when I was making the revolutionary televised, we literally used to get tweets that were like, you're Mossad agents, you're working through the BBC to, 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 to what purpose? I do not know, right? But people are so sure of this shit now. Why, why do you think that is? I think we've all been replaced with droids <laughs> who have been programmed to believe in conspiracies. No, I we're, genuinely, we're all Russian bots. <laughs> I, I do think, I think people are very, very, very influenced by each other. And well, they are. And we can see, you know, under MRI machines, you know, people yeah. neurologically connecting to each other. And I think that it's a combination of people wanting connection and people not trusting the powers that be. I mean, it's it's not. It's interesting. You sort of said the modern conspiracy theories were born in the sixties. I think, you know, we know conspiracy theories go back thousands of years. But I think there's something to it, and I don't think it's a coincidence. This sort of McCartney rumor grew up at the same time as JFK was sort of so publicly assassinated. Mm. You know, I think there is something not Another just in the mistrust, but in these sort of big events and people having quite a lot of reason to question authority. It reminds me of also our friend of the podcast, Adam Curtis, and that episode we did when we talked about Operation Mindfuck and how a lot of those guys who actually put, as a joke, conspiracy theories in things like Rolling Stone, years later, like 30 years later, actually believed their own conspiracy wow. theories that they they had actually somehow been affected by sort of you know agent provocateurs who wanted them to do this stuff and i think this is sort of this mad self-deception i've got a couple of bits from notes i've got one really bitchy quote uh which i just want to see if if you you guys enjoy as much as i do <laughs> and then i've got some really so the mccartney thing seems to prompt quite a lot of academics to do their thing um, so the bitchy quote first, of course, sort of Lennon and McCartney famously estranged. Maybe Lennon didn't get on as well with the new McCartney. Who knows? Yeah. But uh, he gave this quote when he was asked, asked about it. He went, 
Paul McCartney couldn't die without the world knowing about it, the same as he couldn't get married or go on holiday without the world <laughs> knowing about it. It's true, he loved it, didn't he? Joyously catty. Uh, but he then added, but it's a great plug for Abbey Road. Also, yeah. I was quite pissed, but whoever pretended to be Paul McCartney at Glastonbury this year did a fucking good job. I mean, mm. that was that was impressive. If it wasn't him... Jesus Christ, like pretty, pretty. Uh... It was Jesus Christ. That's a, <laughs> a mad, that's, a, that's a mad new conspiracy coming out of new conspiracies. Exactly. Paul McCartney is in fact the resurrected Christ. So you know, like the MCU, yeah, uh, the Marvel Cinematic Universe. There is like a Beatles cinematic universe that has grown out <laughs> of the uh, sort of Paul is dead. Uh, and so in this like expanded narrative, Lennon's murder in 1980, Harrison's near-fatal stabbing in 1999, and the death of Beatles associate Mal Evans in 1976 are all credited to like nefarious forces wow. protecting the Paul McCartney conspiracy. Wow. That uh, is pretty cool. But the one, the one I really like, uh, and I'd be interested in your thoughts on it, Deborah, is that people have started linking it to classical mythology uh, and the old <laughs> idea of the young man being the archetypal myth where the beautiful youth dies and is resurrected as a god. Mm. Uh, so it's like the sort of cult of Adonis and uh, Antinous and I, all of that. You know, is this a symbol of ancient sort of, you know, rebirth and ritual? What I learnt from the documentary that we all watched at Christmas... So good. ...is how ordinary genius is. Yeah. That's what fascinated me, is that really interesting point, Paul actually. McCartney would come in and go, oh, I've, I've written this, what do you guys think? And it was at this point that clearly John Lennon had checked out of the band mm. and checked out of the writing process and they were, if he was writing, they were writing separately and they weren't getting together. You can really together. see it, it's so tangible in the and film. Paul McCartney was so engaged you know, if he was, and, and maybe it proves that he was a replacement because he was like, I've just got here, guys. Let's not start. <laughs> yeah. Really, I'm, I'm really fresh to go. And John Lennon was like, oh, I've been doing this for years. And Paul, the new Paul is like, oh, guys, don't split up now. I've just got a new job. But he would come in and he'd go, um, okay, what do you think of this? And then he would play. And uh, uh, the others would go, yeah, and then start riffing. And then, then John would come in really late with Yoko and he'd play it for John and John would go, could do with some words. Yeah, that's true. And just, you know, and the joke, you know, taking a piss, but also I'm not going to help, you know. And then the next day Paul would come in and sing the most beautiful lyrics ever written possibly, you know, Mother Mary come to me, let it be, just such a, it's oh, just so simple. So, yeah. But it's a song that I've listened to over the years many times when I've been feeling unsettled or yeah. anxious or frightened. or, or And it's just stunning. I've and always preferred the Sesame Street version, Letter B. <laughs> Letter B, oh, brilliant. Um, but then uh, when they're in the studio and they're just about to record it, George Harrison goes, you're going to start it like that? It's going to be no introduction. And Paul McCartney goes, well, I guess I could go... Da, 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 and then plays this riff... The most famous, one of the most famous yeah. riffs or, or introductions to anything in the world. I guess I could just go like this. Yeah. <laughs> and then does this incredible riff and you just go, oh, it's so ordinary. But <laughs> what's fascinating is since those guys were together, none of them have ever written anything mm. approaching what they wrote. And what's fascinating to me is that Paul McCartney left that 
connection. Mm. And even though he clearly wrote Let It Be all on his own, the music and the lyrics and the introduction, he was provoked by someone going, can you do any words? Totally. <laughs> and that's all it was. But don't you but think that happens then, in creativity where like you are sometimes when you're working with difficult people, I do think that sometimes bizarrely, even though it can be unbelievably frustrating, they they push you on. Yeah. You know, and, and even when it's really toxic sometimes, like they can actually start saying things to you that really galvanise you to be like, right, I, you know what, I can make this. But like, have you found that in yeah, your writing? Yeah, absolutely. This, this, what I'm saying is this episode is your let it be. It <laughs> because I've come in here half an hour late, demanding a coffee, you know, interrupting, got my own game to play. She's a, oh, she's a big deal now. Yeah, she's a big deal I now. I mean, you know. Totally taken over the form. this is your let it be and it will be known as your let it be. This is your award winning episode. <laughs> People will go, have you heard the let it be episode? Then you can say, oh yeah, I mean, it's just, it, I, if, if I'm in a time of trouble, I put that on. This, then the this tweets be come the in. First episode to win a bath. Deborah, Deborah was part of Mossad, and it was always the plan no, to false flag them and actually help. To, she pushed in the awards category, pushed it up, and that's when now, it blew up. Now we really have to wrap, so I'm no, just going to very. No, you haven't heard my Paul McCartney story yet. Oh no! I've Let's hear. It. I'm into it. Let's hear it. I've got to. Well, have you met him? Yeah. But I thought he was dead. Ah, uh, this is why I've chosen it. Oh uh, my no god! No one's asked me why I've chosen actually, it. Yeah, I did. It was literally the first question. Why we have you? Why, Deborah? Why I've, have you chosen I've, Paul McCartney? I've, I was holding this back. Okay, so I chose it because I was a massive fan when I was at high school. Now, I went to see him in concert in Sydney, and. I just saw a second and I, this, there were security guards there and I saw one of them look away. So I ran past and he shouted at me, but I did not stop running. And I got to the front of the stage on my own. My, my mates were behind me and they didn't get through. So I was right at the edge of the stage. And uh, I had, used to have a thing that I would often say in stand up or sometimes in a, you know, when I do these kind of corporate TED talky type feel things that rock stars and pop stars can look over to a section of the audience and make and and wink or nod and make a thousand women feel seen. <laughs> and I would test this theory by saying, who here has been clocked or winked at by a rock star, pop star while in the audience? And 50 to 75% of women will put their hands up. <laughs> and I say, see, the math just doesn't play out there, does it? You have not been seen. But he's winked in a direction. Bono's winked in a direction and you think it was You've for you. You've been witnessed. But... But he was just looking over there. That's what they can do. <laughs> in my case, Paul McCartney really did wink at me um, in Sydney. That, and I and I truly believe that. It's not true for you, but it is true for me. <laughs> and I know that it was true because I was that far down the front of the stage and he really did see me. But but probably a hundred women behind me also thought he winked at them. He didn't. He winked at me. And so this was a bit that I would do. Um, and then I was at a party where Paul McCartney was. Um, As you do. And I ended up... I know showbiz, it was showbiz very, lifestyle. It was showbiz, it was very exciting and very glamorous. Anyway, I ended up talking to him and uh, it was... What actually, was that like well, after deifying well, him? Well, not, since... not many people... Not many people would would talk to him. I think because no one wants to talk to the Beatles. Do you know what I mean? Yeah, there was yeah, lots of yeah. Like, you don't want to screw it up and embarrass yourself. Don't meet there your was heroes. Lots, well, I guess also people don't want to look like they're kind of you know sucking up someone or whatever. Yeah. And there were lots of famous people there, but no one is as famous as a Beatle. True. Um, and uh, someone I was with was from the Middle East and did not know how famous he was. Amazing. I think they just thought, well, there's 
you know, there's someone from Bake Off, there's a Beatle. <laughs> sort of and they did you know, the same way if we were in the Middle East and someone said, yeah. that guy's a pop star and that yeah. one that one's off a reality show, you wouldn't know the difference. Yeah. You'd be true, like, oh, we'll chat to both of them. So I ended up chatting to Paul McCartney and he was really lovely and very Did you say, call me Billy? <laughs> <laughs> very much like he was in the documentary, Only Elder. And uh, very, you know, that ordinariness of genius type thing. And I said to him, oh, I have this bit that I do in stand-up and about, you know, you can make a, a million women feel winked out at the same time. But I uh, I think he really did wink at me in the 90s in, in Sydney. And he looked at me and he went, oh, yeah, I, re- I remember you. <laughs> no, he, <laughs> yeah, didn't. he didn't. Bullshit. And I said, and I, and I laughed and I said, I know that you don't, but that's really lovely of you to say. And he went, no, I remember you. And then as I went to walk away... He just went, you've always got that. I did wink at you in Sydney. And I was like, is that, nice? is that lovely? It was really lovely. It was really charming. It was so sweet. That's but, amazing. So I now have the end to that story being, and do you know how I know he really did wink at me, <laughs> but he probably didn't wink at you? He told me. Yeah. yeah. Uh, that so, is and you amazing. Repa- and you repay him by saying that his whole life since 1966 has well, been a lie. Well, when well, the trouble with that documentary is, is it's it's the last thing they did. So that would have been the replacement pool. So he seems exactly like he did in the documentary. But we'll never know. Well, Deborah, we've come to the part of the podcast where we I, always I, have to decide mm. whether the conspiracy theory we have looked at is real or a fugazi, and it's nonsense. Now, you have met mm. either the real Paul McCartney or the fake Paul McCartney. Which was it? I believe it was the real Paul McCartney. And is that an exclusive? It's an exclusive. It's an exclusive for the new conspiracies. Deborah Franzari confirming that Paul McCartney was real. Ever sceptical, James Ball? I'm just on the fence with this one because, you know, the real Paul McCartney or the man we know as Paul McCartney, Billy Shears, gets really cross when he's asked about this. He once threw a bucket of water on reporters when they were sort of hassling (laughs) over this. But he says he's fit as a fiddle and alive and, you know, does not like being asked if he's dead. But that's what you'd say if you were faking it. Well, but the irony is the Beatle who was said to be dead in his 20s is outliving all of the other Beatles, you know. Do you think he and Ringo, like, have a daily phone call where they're like, yeah, I'm still going. I reckon they must (laughs) be. I'll bury you. I've always thought that. I reckon you would stay in touch if you were that close. Anyway. I I know, I'd just be ringing up to go, I'll bury you. Now, Deborah, there are... Maybe at least one person who's listens to this who doesn't currently follow you on social media. Where can they find you? At DF Dubs, DF Dubs for Deborah Francis White. Um, but you do notice I don't say the W, I say Dubs, and that refers to VW Golf. <laughs> uh, uh, and uh, on uh, Instagram, you can also follow us on at the guilty feminist. Yeah. Um, and at Deborah FW on Twitter or at guilt fem pod. Uh, also listen to the guilty feminist. And also, I would love to let the listeners know about a show we're doing called the guilty feminist presents camp as Christmas. Oh, wow. December the 3rd, Tom Allen and I at the Woo-hoo. South Bank Center, at the Royal Festival Hall or similar. Uh, at the South Bank Centre, Tom Allen and I are co-hosting Campus Christmas. Awesome. It is on the currently on the bill is Susie Ruffle, Larry Dean, Rosie Jones, wow. Sophie Duca, 
and but there will be many more. Russell Se- Tovey's several coming of the to podcast do podcast there. Sir, Russell Tovey's coming to do a reading with uh, Rob Diamond from Talk Art. Amazing. Um, now, and where can people get tickets for this? Southbank Centre or at guiltyfeminist.com. But the, all the proceeds are going to the Say It Loud Club, which is run for and by LGBTQ plus refugees fleeing homophobic oppression. That's awesome. And so if you would like to support that cause and have the night of your camp camp life, we did it last Christmas, but last Christmas it got COVID, so it was pushed to camp in springtime. It was honestly one of the best nights of my life. Oh. Just the, the, we had a brilliant, brilliant drag queen. It was very camp, Sounds very brilliant. ridiculous. But So you'll really have a good time. But also we will have people from uh, Say It Loud coming to talk about what they do. They are so joyful. They're so phenomenal. You really will have a wonderful time. Well, well that sounds awesome. Genuinely, the second we go off air, I am booking a ticket to this. Excellent. Well, listeners, you can get in contact with the podcast as always at hello at newconspiracist.com. Uh, it leaves us only to thank the wonderful Deborah Francis White for coming on the show. Or was it her? Was it even actually her? It could have been some sort of deep fake. Could have actually been a body double that she sent in her stead. It's Kathy under deep cover. <laughs> it's Kathy. It has been Kathy. So please do check out our bonus content on the Tier 4 Platinum Circle. Subscribers get the episodes ad-free and bonus episodes every week. Uh, and your chance to influence what we discuss always by emailing us at hello at newconspiracist.com. Our producer was Michael Dale. Our engineers, Jay Beal, Josh Gibbs, Gully Lawrence Tickle and Teddy Riley. Production coordinator was Lily Hambly, our marketing coordinator, Emily Webb, and our executive producer, Alex Lawless, with additional production from Chris Skinner. So from me, from James, and from Deborah, and from Paul McCartney himself, good night. 